0: Well, friends, thanks for joining me for Making Disciples Naturally, the podcast of the Kansas Communities Ministry. My name is David Dennis, and I am so glad that you can be with us today. I was able to sit down recently with Dr. Richard Spann, the director of the Kansas Communities Ministry. In previous podcasts, he shared with us a bit of his background, how he grew up in a Christian home, completed medical school, and became a lung specialist in Wichita, Kansas. He met the Navigators and noted how they emphasized the importance of getting God's Word into their minds and hearts and letting the Word transform them. He was impressed by the importance of investing in individuals. Over the years, Dr. Spann has been a great example to me and to many others. Join me as I ask him what tools he has found helpful as he helps others grow in their faith and walk with Jesus Christ.
1: It depends a little bit on where the person is, if they're a new believer. I think, uh, beginning with Christ, that 13-week study is very foundational. Uh, Some of that has changed over the years. We have have tools which are different now. For a while it was studies in Christian living years ago, and then the 2-7 program was very good. Uh, The um, study that I I have been using uh, more recently uh, is Everman a Warrior, there is an adaptation for women now that's being developed and available. But that uh, all of these are, are very good. I think the uh, the desire, of course, is to just get them into the Word of God, to get them into prayer, to establish some basic uh, aspects of their life that will be beneficial to them. For some, it may be uh, reaching out to the lost in uh, the book, um, living proof by jim peterson is very helpful i'm looking at that with a couple of men now in terms of giving them a heart for people and how to develop that relationship which will lead them to present the gospel
0: to them and then i think in the past you and bev have been involved in ministry together to couples uh typically what does that look like well, some of the men that I started meeting with, I think these, these are really some,
1: some good people. I'm going to see if their, their wife and my wife can get together with us. So we, we have, over the years, <coughs> had about eight to ten couples or maybe more that we've spent time with, sometimes for a m- months or maybe up to a, a year's time, some uh, four or five years, and some even longer, or we've met regularly with them looked at studies, prayed together, where we have gone through evangelism together and met in their home or ours and with their friends and ours had an opportunity to share the gospel with them as we looked at the scriptures together. So it varies from, from again, couple to couple, but I think ideally if uh, another man you're meeting with, say, if your man then your wife and their wife are willing to meet and you can do that, that is a lot more powerful than simply meeting with one-on-one. If you can meet couple to couple. Now, the limitation is that couples don't have a lot of time. I mean, if my wife is involved, I mean, the kids are needing to do something else, and the other couple, they have to separate. So it's harder to get two couples together than simply two individuals. This is why you cannot do very much of a couple to couple ministry one couple probably and then maybe you could meet a few other men apart from that but ideally it would be it would be great to meet his couples
0: okay now let's talk about that you you alluded to the busyness that we have um, right today in our culture and um first of all how would you uh compare discipling today with maybe 30 years ago and uh, i guess before we do that let's say what does evangelism look like today compared to 30 40 years ago and then how does discipleship look different if it does
1: okay first evangelism i think 30 40 years ago there was a greater consciousness of uh, a christian worldview there was a greater consciousness of the presence of god of christ of truth Now those are become relative, or most people are disinterested having no relevance to their life. They are secular from the standpoint of being willing to run their whole life without even thinking of God, bringing them into conversation. Indeed, they would shun that, and they would try to accept everything and everybody, and they'd be greatly influenced by the culture. So that Christianity has become a subculture which has trouble penetrating outside its subculture. Uh, yeah. So this changes the, the face of evangelism. This is why I like Living Proof so much because it, even though it was written in 1980 approximately, it is truths are very relevant today in terms of how we need to develop relationships with people, begin to uh, identify with them, and serve them and to develop the groundwork on which we can give them an invitation to simply look at the scriptures together and this is what we found beneficial in the last say 20 years because people have less foundations it takes longer for them to come to faith Uh, so that has changed and i think that not only are the people we are trying to reach with the gospel a lot busier, we are a lot busier. I think uh, our, the job of the church is to correct the spirit of the age, uh, but as G. Campbell Morgan mentioned some time ago, that the church, rather than correcting the spirit of age, has caught the spirit of the age from the secularized people. So that our lives are often too busy, they're too programmed, they're too involved with our hobbies, our business, our family. And it's each generation, it seems to be getting worse. So I think more and more diligence is going to need to be applied to free up our time, to free up our lives, to be available. To be available to one another, to be available to spouses, to be available to our family. We're not, Christians are sometimes not even available to their own family their kids are off on sports activities so I, I think it, there has been a distinct change in that. Mm.
0: and then how do you um, how do you look at the idea of uh, of saying no to very good things so that we can do what's essential oh good question <clears throat> part of my reason for
1: writing a book called goats and nails a few years ago was in reference to an individual who was at that time the president of International Navigators. And he reminded me of one of our teachers, Lauren Sanny, who had sayings and uh, things that would really stick in your mind. They would be like nails that would hold you really to some truths that would be very solid and important and beneficial for your walk with the Lord. And one of the nails that Uh, Lauren Sanney shared with our team years ago were the five aspects of, of, of one's life that which is essential that which is necessary that which is good that which you should delegate and that which you should eliminate and I think that's been very helpful to me because it has helped me eliminate some things delegate others helped me realize that there's a lot of good things and I think early in my practice I was invited to be a part of State committees, national committees, national boards, this, that, and the other thing. I realized, fortunately, I, was, I realized what was essential. And so I said no to these good things. There's a lot of things that are necessary. Work is necessary. Caring for your home and house. How much of that, though, is necessary? How much work is necessary? Is it possible to cut back on the necessary, the amount of work I do to make room for the essential? Yes, it is. And I began to do that a few years in practice to cut down my hours at the office so that I could be available to the Lord and the people, to my family. And I think one of the ways that um, I needed to learn this was simply in Christian activity. Uh, For example, we had to memorize the Word we were teaching on Monday night. I was going out Tuesday night uh, an evangelism explosion with our church. My wife was singing on Wednesday night. Thursday night, we agreed for a new Lenten study that we were a part of that uh, was supposed to go on for eight weeks. And there was another group that met on Friday night that uh, was looking at some J. Adams course. All these things were very good. And I think my wife and I looked at one another after this evening. We'd been going on for a couple of weeks, and we said, this is not right. We need to get hold of our lives specifically in terms of our time. So we prayed about that, and we decided that one night for me would be good, where I could be gone, and my wife was there taking care of the kids. There were girls were young at that point. One night for her would be good, singing in the choir, and I could take care of the kids. One night for both of us, where we could together have a ministry, which we did, memorize the Word. Our daughters were young, and they would take care of the other kids. They would fill out name tags. They would bring in treats. So it was kind of a ministry as a family that we developed with that ministry. So one for the family, one for me, one for her. The other four nights were for my family and for my wife and I. And so that was very beneficial to us, and we realized that that was was enough. That was where that was essential for us to do that with our family. And the same thing with, with my relationship with my wife. I realized as a resident that I could kind of come and go. When we were living in Rochester, Minnesota, I could call her and call her out for lunch. But well, we got back to, to Wichita here, the practice that never happened. And I realized that that is, that is not right either. So I began setting aside Tuesday noon and Friday noon to have lunch with my wife. Didn't matter what was going on at the office didn't matter if there was another program or committee or something I would say no I can't do that so uh, that was that was very important to make that make that decision and I've done that to this day so if anybody asked me to do anything on Tuesday or Friday noon I said no I can't do that I can do that Monday Wednesday
0: and Thursday but not Tuesday or Friday
1: that's, that's kind of long answer to
0: that's great no that's very helpful very helpful. Yeah. yeah something we all need to hear nowadays especially I think Very practical advice and encouragement. You know, it's true. We live in a very busy world today. Dr. Spann pointed out the fact that we need to limit our activities, even the good things that we are involved with, so that we can be more available to our spouse, our families, and so that we can be used by God in the lives of individuals. He reminded us of what is essential, what is necessary, what is good, what we need to delegate, or even what we should eliminate. Do you have margin in your life? I know it's a challenge for me every day. He told us of how we can keep our priorities straight. It's so easy to get sidetracked into what we might enjoy or what we might think are good activities, but we need to realize what is really essential, our walk with the Lord and our availability to be used by Him in the lives of others. My objective is to know Christ in my own life in ever-increasing depth, and to make disciples and develop laborers at all times under any conditions in every place I go. For more information about the Kansas Communities Ministry, go to our website at www.kansasnavs.org, that's K-A-N-S-A-S-N-A-V-S.org, or find us on Facebook at Kansas Communities Ministry. Do you sense a need in your own life for spiritual growth? Or perhaps would you like coaching on how you can reach out to others? Email us at radio at kansasnavs.org. That's radio at kansasnavs.org. Join me next time as we learn more about making disciples naturally.